Hello and welcome to the Ice Guys. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a betting perspective. With pro sports handicappers, Ian Cameron, Alex P. Smith, and various guests from the world of hockey and sports betting. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. We are back, the Ice Guys, Monday, February the 5th, post-All-Star break. The stretch drive of the NHL season officially begins today, and we are all set and ready for it. Ian Cameron and Alex B. Smith with you, ready to talk NHL once again. And Monday's card with just a nice little, you know, brief little small little baby step, if you will, back into action following the All-Star break with just two games on the docket tonight. But uh, things will warm up quickly. We've got eight coming your way on Tuesday. But nice little appetizer to get everybody's uh, appetite back for hockey following uh, the All-Star break. Uh, before we get into tonight's two games, we're going to take some time to really talk about a lot of news that uh, took place uh, in the NHL uh, over the course of the All-Star break. And uh, several items I wanted to discuss uh, on the show since we really haven't seen you uh, since uh, Wednesday uh, last week, which was our last show before the uh, break. And I do want to mention, though, uh, if you are a Patreon member, you have seen us a couple of times uh, over the uh, weekend. We posted two Patreon exclusive videos for our Patreon members. One was talking about home team goal songs and the other about our best and worst jerseys. Uh, in our opinions, uh, in the NHL. Uh, so make sure you check that out. We posted both of those videos uh, over the weekend uh, on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash iceguys, uh, and make sure you check out those videos, and we certainly will have more bonus content for you uh, in the weeks and months ahead for our Patreon members for just, again, $10 per month there at patreon.com slash iceguys. But as far as our daily show is concerned, uh, this will be our first time talking to you since Wednesday. First. Um, News item that I want to talk about uh, is the trade that went down over the break. Uh, Sean Monahan going to the uh, Winnipeg Jets uh, from the uh, Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Monahan has put up a very solid season uh, overall with the uh, Canadians. In fact, of late, he has really played well. And look, I, I have certainly had no shortage of ripping this guy uh, in the past, and you know, rightfully so. Uh, you know, there's been times where he's just not able to stay healthy, and there's been times where he's kind of disappeared. Uh, during games, during seasons, going back to when he was with the Calgary Flames. But right now, this season that he's putting up right now, you can't complain. There's not, uh, you know, he's having a great season 35 points in 49 games. Unlike previous seasons, he's been able, you know, to keep himself healthy. It's a nice addition to the Winnipeg Jets. Winnipeg did give up a lot, though. You know, conditional pick and a first rounder. So I think you got to give Kent Hughes for the Montreal Canadiens a lot of credit you know, for the return that he was able to get and fetch in return for uh, the services of Sean Monaghan. My biggest concern, Alex, is this. We know he's having a good season. We know there's skill. We know there's talent. We know there's an ability to not only finish, but play, make, and facilitate uh, as well. He's clearly shown that this year with this Montreal Canadiens team. But my concern is these playoff disappearing acts that we have seen from Sean Monaghan in years past. Now, maybe that was part of that whole Calgary culture because you could put them all on a on a, on a, on a fucking, you know, billboard, you know, and a poster for uh, who, who disappeared and who didn't show up in the postseason for Calgary uh, in some of those seasons, you know, Gaudreau was certainly a, a culpable, you know, he was not someone that brought his best uh, during some of those playoff years, but 
you know, you've got to factor Sean Monahan into that mix that he just did not play to the level that he is capable of at the biggest time of the year and the biggest spot of the year, which is Stanley Cup playoff hockey. So that's really the one concern, Alex, I do have is that Monahan's got to show me, you know, the ability to elevate his game in April and May. And we have not always seen him do that in the past. But as far as how a fit with this Winnipeg Jets team, there is absolutely no question. He is an absolutely phenomenal fit. You know, I think he's going to be a good two-way player. Uh, and, and this team already has a bunch of players that are very good at both ends of the puck, led by, the, of course, their great captain, Adam Lowry. Uh, so it's a nice fit. My only concern is I want to see playoff Sean Monahan that elevates his game to another level, not the playoff Sean Monahan we saw in Calgary. Uh, but what, what are your thoughts, Alex, on that deal? So here's the thing we have to kind of take into consideration with pretty much all the trades moving forward, right? That a lot of things are, are, are predicated on players are going to be put in different positions and put in different roles, whatever the team needs to get to, you know, forward it, it within the playoffs and, and making a run. So in this case, the Sean Monaghan going to Winnipeg, he's not going to be asked to do what he needed to do in Calgary or what he needed to do in Montreal. He could take a, a, a step back. He doesn't have to be as productive offensively as long as he's, like I said, being an efficient two-way player, getting the job done on the defensive end and, and doing those little things that don't show up on the score sheet. I think that's the biggest thing because you have a, a player of that high talent. He's going to chip in some goals. He's going to give you that offense. You can rely on it at certain times and, and points. Now, like you said, can he find that next level and give it to you consistently? That, that's fine. But the Jets don't need him to be a top six breakout for it like they like the Calgary needed him to be and step up to win a series when they were in the playoffs. Like what Montreal needed from him the entire Montreal pretty much needed him to be, you know, the number one, number two guy at, at times if, if Caulfield and Suzuki weren't going to be available. So I think we're seeing that with a lot of these trades where guys, it's yeah, they're they're talented enough to be in the top six role. They're talented enough to be in those power play roles. But the fact that maybe you don't have to do that, take a little pressure off of these guys. You're part of this collective now. We're all going to work together, especially a team like Winnipeg. Everybody's got to be on point for Winnipeg to do well in a series and, and moving forward in a postseason. This, he's just going to have to be another piece. He doesn't have to be the bigger piece. He just needs to be another piece that fits in nicely. And that's going to take time with a lot of these, these players as well. So something to keep in mind, especially we talk about player props and different things. You know, yes, Monaghan might have been a good look in, in, in certain spots with Montreal. Those spots may not appear. And we have to see those reflected in the price as well when we start talking about goals and assists and power play points, things of that nature. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, how he fits in. Like I say, I don't think there's going to be as It's a great point about the lack of pressure. He's not going to have as much at all uh, on his shoulders, uh, which is really, really a great uh, thing. I think should be a great thing for him. It should be allow him to play with a lot more, uh, a lot more relaxed, I guess you could say, going into the uh, postseason this year uh, with the uh, Winnipeg Jets. But again, he does fit a very uh, a need, and he's going to uh, be just uh, be able to slot in nicely. He's not going to be top line. He'll be second, third line for this Winnipeg Jets team, and he'll be, you know, I think because he's going to just slide into that kind of role, uh, it's going to be uh, a positive for him. But again, there is that playoff question that he's going to have to answer. The other big trade that took place, and this trade literally happened, I think, just a couple of hours after our final show on Wednesday before the uh, break. And, of course, that's the deal with the Vancouver Canucks and the Calgary Flames. Elias Lindholm, uh, of course, going to the uh, Vancouver Canucks. And you talk about another great fit, uh, and that is the case here with this deal as well. 
Uh, Elias Lindholm, who, again, because that lotto line has been absolutely sensational for the Vancouver Canucks, I can't see Rick Tockett breaking them up. You know, Lindholm is probably going to be able to slot in just nicely on a second-line center spot, which is perfect for him in a year where his offense has really not been there. You know, he's still going to be able to. And who's, what's not to say he can't find his offensive stride again? You know, I know he wasn't scoring this year in Calgary, but you got a better team around you right now. Uh, don't count out that uh, Elias Lindholm can't re, uh, refine his um, scoring touch again. Uh, I definitely think that's a possibility now here in Vancouver. But more importantly, what he's going to give this team is diligent forecheck, face-offs. He's ex- excellent. You know, obviously winning face-offs is more important than ever before uh, in the NHL when puck possession is such an important part of winning and controlling the flow of the game. So certainly uh, Elias Lindholm's ability to do that uh, is is integral uh, for why the Vancouver Canucks were interested in him. His play away from the puck has always been great. It's always been a strength of Lindholm's game is being a very good defensive-minded center uh, so there's a lot to like about the Vancouver Canucks adding him and just becoming an, another piece to a puzzle that on paper, Alex, looks exceptional right now. A, a, a potential Stanley Cup winning and at the very least a Stanley Cup contending puzzle for this Vancouver Canucks team bringing in Elias Lindholm. Now they had to give up, of course, Andre Kuzmenko, who went to Calgary, but Kuzmenko and Tockett have been at odds all season. You know, the clear from the very beginning of the season, Kuzmenko just was not it was just not jiving, you know, with him and Rick Tockett there in Vancouver. He'd be healthy scratched. He'd be benched at times in the past earlier this season. So I think it was just not the greatest fit player and coach. And that's what's going to happen. That's what happened in Philly with Kevin Hayes and John Tortorella. You know, sometimes it's just not a fit with the player and the head coach. And while both guys are going to be professional and do their best to work through the problems and continue to work and try to find a common uh you know, common understanding, common ground. Sometimes that's not always going to be possible. And I think that's part of the reason why Vancouver was willing to just say, you know what, we've got a lot of offense on this team. It's not like Kuzmenko's gone. Where the hell are we going to find some goals? You know, that's not the case with the Vancouver Canucks. So, you know, parting with him, I see it. It's not the end of the world. And if anything, it's for Calgary, it's going to be great because maybe Kuzmenko is going to get a fresh, clean slate there, fresh start and, and watch him maybe blossom there with them. Uh, they also uh, gave up uh, defensive prospects, Yoni Yermo and Hunter uh, Brustavich uh, as well uh, to the uh, Calgary Flames uh, and a first round pick uh, in the 2024 NHL draft as well as a conditional pick. So they gave up a lot, but you know, you are getting someone that is uh, certainly going to make an immediate impact and it's the kind of player hell any team would want to acquire, you know, prior to the trade deadline. Two-way center, Great on faceoffs, great defensively. If he could just, if he can even find a little bit of offense, and look, he's not, that's not going to be why he was brought in. That's not going to be the focus as to what made him appealing to Patrick Alvine and the brain trust with the Vancouver Canucks. It was all the other stuff. But man, if you could even just flip that switch offensively just a little bit with Elias Lindholm the rest of the season and into the playoffs with the Vancouver Canucks. And it makes this team even more dangerous. But uh, like I say, Alex, I think it's a great fit for Elias Lindholm here in Vancouver. Yeah, it's a wonderful trade for both sides. And, you know, in, in the day and age of who fleeced who and who's getting more, 
this this is actually a balanced trade. It looks on paper like Calgary got more, obviously, when you throw in the picks and the prospects. And those are guys that could pan out. But look at where Calgary is at the same time. Calgary's right on the cusp of possibly if they can make a solid run, maybe sneak in and steal the last wild card spot. But more than likely, they're a team that's going to be toward the bottom that they're not bad enough to be a lottery pick or at least a top five lottery pick. So you added another first round pick, a conditional pick, and two prospects. That's probably anything better than what you would get out of your first round pick that you already had in the draft right now. And now you've added a player in, in, in Kuzmenko who had great offensive uh, you know, talent and showed that last year. Said this year in a bit of a different system. Obviously, Taki wanted to be more responsible defensively. Kuzmenko, that's not really his style. He goes to a team that we've historically made fun of for their shot selection and shot choice in Calgary Sternums. And now he could have a chance to get his offense rocking and rolling. And on the same side, Lindholm, a guy we know has a great scoring touch, put up 42 goals just a couple of years ago. Now, like you said, adding that extra piece to an already potent Vancouver offense makes them a legitimate Stanley Cup threat and a dangerous team to face now at both ends of the ice in the playoffs. We talked about having the goalie in Demko that could steal you a series as well as a few games. But now you got an offense that could blow a team out of the water in a couple of those games. This is a very loaded Vancouver team, and I'm really glad I have all the futures positions I have right now making a move like this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You and I both. Uh, we're on Vancouver, definitely futures-wise. And uh, like I say, I'm, I don't think there's a flash in the pan. I don't think there's a second-half collapse coming. And I think when they're in the playoffs, they're as dangerous as any team in the Western Conference. Uh, there's This is just too good of a body of work for them. This is just too well-coached a team. This is a great coaching staff, too, with Foot and with uh, Gonchar. And even with Yo, uh, maybe he's the weak link of the bunch. But Maybe. Uh, <laughs> maybe. And I, 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 to be quite honest with you, it, even he's if you think right. Yo is an absolute shit coach, the Tocket, Foot, Gonchar trio tr- uh, you know, completely wipes out any concerns about Yo sure. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, just yeah. as long as Tocket doesn't get sick and Yo doesn't yeah. have to end up being the interim head coach, they're fine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, the main thing. But no, I love what I'm. I love this deal. Uh, and like I say, this um, the situation just works out so well uh, for this uh, Canucks team, and it's just so impressive. Uh, you know what um, what they have done so far, and what they're capable of. Like it, it, it really is amazing uh, how uh, the Vancouver Canucks have really come together. And what's shocking, and I've said this a million times too about uh, Vancouver, is that you know we know who the best players is. We know who the uh, top talent is uh for this team there's no question uh about it uh but when you look at um what they've been able to get from look what mikhaev has given them at times look at this year look at what pu Suter, you know has given this team as well you know and of course the lotto line you know and they're called the lotto line for those of you that may be not familiar with the canadian lottery system the vancouver top line being called the lotto line is because the numbers of the three players on that top line are six nine and forty uh, so it's Lotto 649. It's a very popular uh, Canadian uh, lottery, uh, you know, uh, entity. Uh, and as a result, that's what they call Pedersen, uh, Miller and Besser. Uh, there you go. The lotto okay. line. That's how they came up with that. Lotto 649. Uh, and there you go. Uh, the numbers of those uh, three players. But yeah, that line's outstanding. But let's not forget about contributions from Mikheyev. P.U. Suter was on fire going into the break. Uh, no question. Uh, you've gotten very, very solid contributions from Sam Lafferty at times, Connor Garland at times, Teddy Bluger and Dakota Joshua at times, Nils Hoaglander. So all of that has really made things uh, very uh, impressive as far as the depth of this forward group is concerned. The blue line was probably my biggest concern, but Quinn Hughes is having a Norris Trophy candidate season. 
Philip Horonic has been outstanding. Ian Cole and Zadorov's in, uh, addition and Susie, who hasn't even played lately because of injury. Wait till they get Carson Susie back, you yeah. know, from uh, the guy they got from the Seattle Kraken. So uh, very, very impressive uh, for uh, this uh, Vancouver team. And, and that's why the I thing, think they're, 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 it's staying power. They're here to stay. Here's the thing about them, too, right? What they have right now is fine, but they could still make some moves and possibly upgrade some players. So we're talking about, you know, the, the, the trade deadline usually be teams who are going to the playoffs need to fill this hole and that hole. Well, this team has no holes need filled right now. All they need to do at this point is either stay pat or upgrade. That's a wonderful position to be in right now. They may not be done yet. They honestly may not be done yet as far as trying to improve this team. So definitely, I think good trade. You're right. Good hockey trade, both sides, Vancouver and Calgary. I think they'll both be satisfied with the way that trade uh, ended up. Um, really, I'm not going to say much about the all-star game. I was in and out, you know, as far as watching it uh, and paying attention to it. I will say this, the, the, the all-star skills from what I saw and just the whole the presentation of the all-star uh, festivities in Toronto it was, it was a step up. Definitely, it was like the last couple of years have been, and from, and I haven't even seen that any of them the last few years, including this year from start to finish. But it looked the last few years have been a monstrosity, just awful, you know, as far as uh, just how bad they've been. Uh, but I think this year it was a step up. Is it great? No, to me, it's still not a great, you know, viewing event. Uh, the All Star skills and the All Star game combined, but at least it looked like they stepped it up. Unfortunately, the crowd did not step it up. It was another morgue uh, at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto for the uh, All Star festivities. You could hear a pin drop throughout the skills competition, probably throughout the game as well, except the couple times that a Leaf player would score, you know, in a couple of those games on Saturday. Other than that, it was a pretty quiet, dull crowd. Uh, that is for sure. There's no question about that. Um, you know, so th that's disappointing, you know, when you see that, but that's what you get when you go to Toronto, you get these uh, wine and cheese crowds, you know, and it, it, apparently it filters through to the all-star game because the all-star game tickets aren't a cheap, you know, ticket either. So from <laughs> yeah. that standpoint, you can't get the families, you know, the, that are just living paycheck to paycheck in there to bring their kid to a hockey game. No, you're still going to get the rich suits in there probably for the most part. And as a result, you get that sterile environment that you always get, it seems. So that was, you know, Take it or leave it with the uh, all-star game festivities. Alex, how much of it did you watch? Absolutely zero. Uh, I, was, I was about as high as Michael Blue Blade for most of the weekend, so I paid no, no attention to it whatsoever. I saw some highlights later because I had to write about it yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I did notice people that were upset about Nikita Kucherov apparently dogging it during the skills competition, which chances are he was probably a little bit half in the bag when he was doing that. Um, you know, like I said, the crowd not being excited. Toronto can't get excited to watch their own team. Why would they get excited to watch a bunch of, uh, you know, basically exercises? So, uh, yeah, I missed it completely. It was a nice time to relax and unwind. I hope everybody who watched it enjoyed it, but, you know, I, I could care less. No, no, it's, uh, I agree. It's just, it was to me, it's just, you know, get it over with and let's move on and get back to regular season NHL. Yeah. And uh, thankfully, tonight is that uh, night with that. I thought the draft, get bringing the drafting of the players though back was probably a good thing. It keeps it a little fresh, and I did like the couple of the events that they added, and the skills were pretty good. So that's why I give it an, certainly an improvement from years past. But is it still going to be something that I think, yeah, it's so exciting, I can't miss it? No, absolutely not. And shout out to whoever made the decision, and we because we did the goal home team goal songs patreon exclusive video that they actually yep. incorporated the home team goal songs for the of, of the team whose player scored a goal uh, throughout the all-star games on saturday 
So that was yeah, pretty so cool. Like when your, when Bjorkstrand cool. scored, you heard Nirvana, uh, Lithium. Yeah. You know, when uh, Philip Forsberg scored all the times he did, you heard Tim McGraw. You know, I like it. You know, the, I love <laughs> right. it for the millionth time. Uh, so that was cool, you know, that they brought the home team goal songs with everybody on the road uh, for this uh, all-star game. So that was pretty cool. Uh, and one last point before we get to Monday's card, um, and I want to acknowledge one thing about Bettman's press conference, and that was the big announcement regarding the the international best-on-best competition returning. And that definitely is – it was a long overdue. Long overdue. It's been way too long since we've had a marquee international hockey tournament take place. Now, it's going to be a little half-assed next year, this four-nation face-off that they're going to have uh, next year. But there's really nothing that Gary and Bill and the NHL could have done because the only time on the calendar, they've already planned out the NHL calendar for next season. So the only time they had to put together a best-on-best international hockey tournament was in February and take replacing the all. I don't think anyone's going to complain, by the way, about replacing the all-star game with that best on best tournament uh, next year. (laughs) Absolutely (laughs) not. Uh, So that was a good decision, but to make it work in the time frame that the NHL had at their disposal, they couldn't include seven, eight, nine countries uh, in that tournament next year. So that's why they had to make the decision. We could only go with four teams. And if you're going to pick four teams, excluding Russia because of the whole Ukraine situation still going on there, if you're going to pick the four best countries, who are you going to pick? You're going to pick Canada, USA, Finland, and Sweden, you know, and that's exactly what you have uh, in that four nation face-off. So yeah, it's kind of a little dumbed down version, if you will, uh, of an international best on best. The real thing is really going to, it's going to feel like the real thing, obviously in two years, when they go back to the Olympics in 2026, that was the other big part of the announcement. Olympic participation for NHL players is back starting in 2026. It will also be 2030 and moving forward after that. They've come to an agreement with the IIHF, which, you know, it's 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 it's, it's time to make it happen. It did. Uh, it, they were able to get that deal done. So 2026 and 2030, there will be Olympic hockey involving NHL players, best on best. And it sounds like there will also be a World Cup event for every four years during the every other two years when there's no Olympics. So basically, it'll be Olympics 2026. That'll be your international hockey tournament involving the NHL players, best on best. 2028 will be a World Cup involving uh, NHL best on best. 2030 back to the Olympics, 2032, back to the World Cup, etc. You know, that's going to be the pattern that we're going to have. So basically, Alex, we're going to have an international best-on-best tournament every single two years, uh, starting in 2026, whether it's Olympics or World Cup. And there's people that are this, you know, the newer age, newer era people that have been bemoaning the fact we have not seen the Crosby, you know, Ovechkin era melt with the McDavid you know, Matthews era. And now we're going to finally get a chance to see all these players perform best players on each nation uh, internationally uh, every uh, two years, starting in 2026 with that, of course, that four nation face off taking place next year as well. So I don't think there's many people that are going to be negative about that announcement. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of middle of the road about it. Like I've made my feelings fall about international play for quite some time, but at the, the, the end of it all. And the biggest thing, the takeaway for me, from the Batman, uh, you know, presser was the fact that he said it. The players want this the most. 
And yeah. and and once he said that, then then that kind of softened my stance because the entire time that we hear about these things of the Olympics and all this international play, it just seems like it's just all oh, this is the NHL trying to shove it down our throats and saying we need to expand the game globally, even though what, over half the league's coming from Europe. But you know, never mind that. So the players want to represent their country in front of their friends and families and and, and their and their fellow countrymen, and that's understandable and that's fine. And like you said, when you go back in the annals of history, right? We talk about the greats of Gretzky and Lemieux and all these different players, but we forget that, yes, they weren't all in, in the Olympics all those years, but they had Canada Cup. You had the Summit Series. You had all these things and all of these stories and, and all of these these series that end up creating these legends from these players. A lot of that came from that international play, just like it did the regular season in the playoffs. So in understanding that and in keeping in that part of tradition with hockey history, then, okay, by all means, let, let, let's go at it. And, and like I said – Kudos to the NHL, uh, you know, an uh, uh, organization that bumbles shit constantly to be able to put together something, like you said, we're already having things set up for next year, but finding a way to, to you know, shoehorn this in, and it seems like it's going to be fairly reasonable and not, you know, too crazy. There's a gaps within the schedules. They will have, guys will have time to rest. Uh, it won't be anything that's super conflicting with stretching out the, the regular season schedule. So that's perfectly fine as well. I do think the timing of this is interesting. It's funny. Someone in the chat said, you know, the timing of us dropping that Patreon video about the goals in the same week that the All-Star game does that kind of same setup. But isn't it quite interesting now where you have the rise of USA hockey over the last several years, combining with the unfortunate events of things that have happened with Hockey Canada. And now here we have year after year a chance to showcase both the rise of the you know, USA program from where it was from, say, 40 years ago when everybody thought it was a miracle that they beat the Russians on ice to now we get to also see the rebuild and the the restructuring of Hockey Canada because it was so bad back in the day. But now everything's going to be all nice and fixed up over the next few years. And we're going to get to see that in, in person because that's probably the real reason why they're doing all of these tournaments. Yeah, exactly. It's it's you're, that, there's a, that's an excellent point. Yeah, we're rushing to get this international tournament now that the USA hockey is starting to turn into a mini little powerhouse now. Mm -hmm. uh, like they're not there yet, but my goodness, folks, they are on the rise. And this national team development program that they set up years and years ago, it is it is turning the USA into more, more of a hockey nation than they've been in. Like the young kids, the amount that are really turning to hockey right now, and it's every and it's the it's the Sun Belt states. There's yeah. kids learning to play the sport in Florida and becoming good at it. There's kids learning to play Texas. the game in Arizona, California, mm -hmm. Texas, where a guy uh, Matt Robinson is initially from, you know, and they're getting better at it. Uh, look at look at him. Look at Matt. Matt's from yeah. Texas. Went to college hockey in Arkansas, which is not a traditional hockey school either. So it's just showing you the signs of growth and development of USA Hockey, Alex. It's amazing. And they're yeah. on the rise. Like it's not just they're developing more players and more talent. They're developing more elite players, strong players, upper echelon players, upper echelon talent. That's the key. The balance in North America between talent in the U.S. and talent in Canada has never been more on an even platform than it is right now at this very moment. And the fact that it could possibly even shift in the tide of the U.S. is astronomical. So the the, the NHL is going to take this time to capitalize on it's it's a, and it's a combination the the surplus of hockey among kids in the u.s and it's not like there's a decline in hockey in canada among the no. kids but slowly but surely last two to three four five ten years more canadian kids are playing baseball basketball look at the basketball and numbers yeah. and how many more canadians are playing basketball now 
you know, and it's probably part of it too, more diverse country as far as people up in, in this, in this nation as well. So uh, look, most kids are going to play hockey in Canada. That will never, ever, ever, ever change. But even just a fractional decline in hockey and kids choosing other sports over hockey in this country, combined with the surge in the U.S. with kids playing hockey, even an increase there, even if it's small, and even if the drop here is small, it's going to combine to make you know the USA a much more on the level playing field with Canada and anyone else. I just want to say this. It's very, very likely that kids still continue to play hockey in Canada. But never say never because 70 years ago, there were a bunch of people probably saying the same thing here in this country about baseball. A lot of yeah. things have changed. So, Exactly. So uh, it's, 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 it's like I say that the, the trajectory of international hockey and the pendulum, really, it's fascinating to see it unfold. Yeah, the Kucherov, the Nikita Kucherov stuff got a lot of attention, obviously. He kind of dogged it in some of those events and. Uh, kind of became the heel, you know, the the the, uh, the heel of the event, if you will. Uh, I mean, he was booed all the time by the crowd, which, look, they've got a natural rivalry with Tampa Bay. Uh, there's no question about that. So uh, I didn't mind. It actually was – it kind of livened up the event that there was someone that was kind of – you know, it's, it brought a little something extra to it that uh, Kucherov was playing it up and, you know, uh, kind of giving it to the crowd. They were giving it to him back. So I got nothing wrong with that. It's no, good. That's, good stuff. that's good. That, that's what livened you're supposed to do. Event. Yeah. And that that's what that's called a that's called a rivalry, folks. We have those things yeah. in sports. When you got one team doesn't like each other, then the other team yeah. doesn't like each other, and then they clash, and then the fans kind of go at it too. Those that we have those things in sports. You know, I know we're trying to get rid of all of that now in in twenty twenty four, but those things still exist sometimes. So. Yeah, yeah, we we can always bring in the NBA way of doing things. We all hug each other after every game. There, yeah, uh, we can hug each other, embrace, and yeah, good good game, bro. Uh, let's go, let's go. You know, I mean, geez, what a, like you're right. The park. Yeah. 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 We've lost some of that. We've definitely lost some of a that, that of like general line. You know, I hate your fucking guts when, when I'm playing your ass on the ice or the court or the field or whatever the case may be, we've lost some of that. We're all, Hey bro. Love you, bro. Even after mm-hmm. a game, I got, I got killed 42 to three in a football game, but still love you, bro. Right after <laughs> that game. I don't no. love shit when I've been just been my ass beat 42 to three. Sorry. That I, I could never react and respond that way, Alex, after a game. I'm going to hug the guy that just kicked my team's ass 42-3. to three. I'd have a hard time doing that as a you can use You can use the Shorzy quote for a lot of what's going on in the world of sports today. A lot of these guys don't hate to lose. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the, the, you know why it is? They're paying, being paid exorbitant amounts of money, the likes of which, you know, is just getting out of control. It's not even a money thing. It's not even a money thing because you got guys who get paid tons of money. Kobe Bryant made a whole bunch of money in his career. The man hated to lose. Yep, true. Yeah. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of people. Yeah, no, no. You, yep. you have to have that. That competitive fire has got to run both ways. Everybody's got competitive spirit in the positive manner. Sometimes you got to have that competitive spirit. Like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan made up shit about people on the court. It, saying stuff, stuff about him, that fueled him to go after that one guy. But that wasn't about him personally. That was the way he had to get himself motivated, beat that team, and lead his team to victory. You don't have shit like that anymore, and it definitely don't have it like you did uh, in hockey even 20 years ago, in my opinion. Yeah, no doubt. We're not always going to have a time to talk about things outside of hockey, but there is one thing I want to bring up before we get into uh, the um, the Monday games, and we'll get to those in a moment. Um, last night, obviously, there's not a whole lot going on. There was some I watched a little NBA, a little college basketball, but there weren't many games of either uh, going on uh, last night. So. I just happened to flip on the Grammy Awards for a little bit last night, and I am a music fan. I'm not as big into the newer music as the older stuff, but 
when I'm flipping around and I just say, yeah, let's see what the, just, let's just see what the gram how what the, what's going on with the Grammys. And I see Tracy Chapman on my screen. I just like, whoa. And, and I just all of a sudden stop in my tracks and I'm hearing her sing Fast Car, which is one of the legendary pieces of songwriting to this day. And she has not lost a step either. The voice, it sounds like I was listening to the original recording from 1988 when she did that song in the studio. That's how that's how good she still sounded on the stage last night singing Fast Car in the duet with uh, Combs, the country singer. Uh, who look, I don't mind his version. His version's actually okay for a country style, country stylized version of that song. Uh, it's okay. It's certainly not anything like Tracy's. Tracy's the original. It's the OG. It's the greatest. But no, to see her and hear her on the stage was phenomenal. Uh, I I caught a piece of that. It was pretty good. Um, I saw a, a, the Joni Mitchell's you know performance at 80 years old, coming off a fucking brain aneurysm. Are you kidding me? To be able to get up on that stage and be able to. Uh, sing like that uh, extremely impressed uh, and Joni Mitchell go and listen to some of Joni Mitchell's hits from the 60s and 70s oh she did a song about uh, uh, raised on robbery it was a great song and she she actually incorporated betting into the lyrics it's a phenomenal song raised on robbery you know a, a phenomenal that's my favorite Joni song to this day raised on robbery seriously look it up it's a great great song of hers and so her being up there on the uh uh, on the stage was absolutely outstanding and she did a great job i mean she's a great job for 80 years old and going through the health issues she's had incredible and of course the night ends with the controversial moment of the night if you will it was just heartwarming to see celine dion of course up on that stage we know she's yeah. got this from what i've read it's something called a stiff syndrome something yeah. like that where her muscles spasm uh just randomly at any moment uh, you know, she has a hard time speaking and getting her like that's why she stopped touring and started stopped doing her performances live for last year and this year because she can't use her voice to sing, you know, the way she, she has to to sound like Celine Dion, obviously, one of the most powerful voices in the history of female artists, as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, to see her there when she's going through these uh, health struggles lately was great. Uh, she got a great ovation. And of course, she. Uh, not only is she was was a great to see her, but she also shouts out Sting and Diana Ross, who awarded her the rec, the album of the year award 27 years ago. Uh, talking about who presented her with that, so she presents the album of the year award. Of course, you know who wins it. She's only been all over our television screens in every football game involving the Kansas City Chiefs for the last few months. Taylor Swift. So she gets up there on stage. She's obviously shocked because she broke the record for most album of the year wins. And there she is with Celine Dion, I think, just about waiting for Taylor to yeah, at least sit, do something, handshake, you know, hug something, and just totally ignores her, totally blows her off. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, my goodness. The, rule number one with these damn award shows, man, uh, when you win an award like that, I don't care if the presenter's an eight-year-old girl with no, you know, she's not famous. She's not, you know, an, an icon or anything. I don't care who it is. Whoever presents that award, when you go up on that stage and accept the award, you acknowledge that person, a handshake, a thing, you know, or something. And that's Celine Dion. That's an iconic singer in our lives. There's this thing out there that's known as the vocal trinity. You know what the vocal trinity is? The three female singers that are widely considered the greatest, most powerful female singing voices of all time. One is Whitney Houston, two is Mariah Carey, and three is Celine Dion. That's the stratosphere she stands on right now as far as female voices are concerned. And there's Taylor Swift acting like she wasn't even up there 
you know, on that fucking stage. And what's hilarious about it is I know for a fact, once that show ended, someone, an agent, uh, a manager, someone in PR for Taylor Swift got in her ear right after that show ended and said, you know, you totally didn't even acknowledge Celine Dion, right? You realize that when you accepted that award. And then they had that silly little photo that's floating around everywhere with Celine and Taylor after the award show. And it's like, if that's not a, a, a staged planned thing to just calm down the people that were kind of upset by that, that's all PR, man. Uh, she knew she then fucked up, you know, and I don't think it was intentional. I don't. I think it was completely unintentional. She was just caught up in the moment and totally ignored her. But at the same point in time, yeah, that was the PR of Taylor Swift getting in her ear and say, hey, Taylor, you realize you didn't acknowledge one of the most iconic singers of all time uh, on the stage. Didn't act like she was even there. You better do something about this. You better nip this shit in the bud. And next thing you know, there's that photo like five, ten minutes later after the show with Celine Dion and Taylor. So if that's the PR getting in Taylor's ear saying you got to do something about this, you got to make this right. And sure enough, we see the picture right after that. So uh, pretty funny uh, how that uh, transpired. But, uh, yeah, there I am. My night at the Grammys because uh, I was bored <laughs> last night. Oh, it's funny that you say that because I I, watched, I ended up watching it too. I, like I said, I had writing assignments and I just had it on the corner something else on. And I saw that moment and realized that and I was stunned by the fact that her her shock of surprise, the fact that you've already won seven out of the eight awards you were nominated for and to be surprised that you broke the record, that was the willing anyway. That was the you got to put out the fire everybody. picture, JT. That's what that was, yeah. 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 And right. And so then, like I said, for her to go on stage and all that and to not be like, oh, my God, Celine Dion. But it also shows signs of the times, too, that, you know, you have this you have this disconnect throughout the years. And we talk about this in sports, too. Right. It, it, it really kind of bring it back in the sports. We always talk about that disconnect of how, you know, you have guys who watch play in the league now in any sport and don't really know the history of going back 30, 40, 50 years. You know, and it kind of shows and just reflects in certain things like that. And so it, it's no different than than it is in music or any other kind of profession. And, and, and just like I said, just a show of, of the times. It's unfortunate. And like I said, PR cleans everything up. That's what they're there for. And uh, they move on. with it. And that's exactly what happened. That's why you saw that picture uh, 10 minutes later. But there you go. You know, I'm happy hockey's back when uh, I'm spending five minutes of this show talking about the Grammy Awards. So it is time to move on to what we do best, and that is capping NHL hockey uh, back in action following the All-Star break. And we will begin with the New York Islanders taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is in Toronto this time, so we don't have to hear any of the more of those boos toward John Tavares tonight. We've got the Leafs uh, minus 145 home favorites, uh, six and a half the total uh, here in this game. Um Toronto, it's interesting because obviously you've got this team, uh, Matthews and Nylander, all the all-stars. This is the team that if you talk about situationals, Toronto actually of the four teams tonight is in the best situation. Nobody has to travel, you know, because the all-star weekend was in Toronto. Uh, You know, unless you're someone that was on vacation in Cabo or Cancun or somewhere uh, during the course of the bye week. Um, But certainly anyone that stayed in Toronto during the bye week and, of course, those that were involved uh, in the uh, all-star festivities, there's no travel. So it's probably a nice advantage here for Toronto uh, in this game tonight against the Islanders from that standpoint. And it looks like everyone's good to go uh, for the uh, Leafs tonight outside of David Camp. David Camp, the fourth liner, more of a defensive-minded player for this team than anything else. Uh, They did announce he'll miss the next three games uh, for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. So uh, he'll be out of the lineup, but it looks like for the most part, everybody else good to go uh, here tonight for the Leafs in this game. Meanwhile, the uh, New York Islanders, who look, have not gotten off to this 
uh, great run. The coach bump has not yet taken place here for this uh, Islanders team since Patrick Waugh came on board. It's been a struggle for them, in fact. Uh, you go back to the game against Dallas in his debut. They won in overtime 3-2. That's the only game they've won since Sir Patrick has taken over behind the bench. Three straight losses for the Islanders since then to Vegas, Montreal, and Florida. Uh, we will see if they can bounce back, see if they can use the all-star break, if you will, hit the reset button a little bit. Uh, they are still a little bit uh, banged up. Adam Pellick, it looks like, uh, who they just got back uh, recently uh, from injury, is day-to-day -day, uh, upper body injury. Looks like he will be a game-time decision, but uh, he, he apparently looks like he's probably more likely than not to play, but uh, just hasn't been confirmed yet for the uh, Islanders' side of the equation. Uh, as far as uh, this game goes, as far as the series history goes, look, the uh, New York Islanders have always been a thorn in Toronto's side. In fact, head-to-head, -head, the Islanders have won three straight. However, all of those games uh, were in Long Island. Uh, it is worth noting, uh, including each of the two in overtime earlier this year, both of them 4-3 Islander wins uh, at UBS Arena. I definitely think Toronto wants to uh, avenge those two losses. Uh, I think they're in a good situation here and the fact that there's nobody that has to do travel back home unlike every other team coming from the all-star game so that's probably an advantage for the Leafs here uh, in this game do I want to lay minus 145 no no I don't uh, what I will do is I'll probably jump on Toronto live if by chance the Islanders get ahead you know at any point in this game that's something I might consider doing uh, nothing really as far as the total either, uh, because, you know, it's a weird situation here with these uh, two teams. I would lean over just because of the fact that we've seen four straight overs with these two teams, five, two, seven, two, four, three, four, three, uh, between them. Uh, even though the Islanders, I think are trying to make a concerted effort under Patrick Waugh. I think Patrick Waugh wants them to be more of a defensive team. It sure looks that way with the way they've played here since the uh, break, but certainly series history points to goals and, that's kind of the strong series history I don't really want to go against. So I will lean over the total here in this game uh, with the Islanders and the Leafs. If, everything is going to be pretty small from a betting standpoint for me tonight, wager amount-wise. You know, it's always a little dicey for these teams first game after the break, but we'll have a small look maybe over six and a half, maybe Toronto live if they fall behind. But more importantly than that, we have to. We simply have to. We saw overtime in the first two games with these two teams head-to-head -head this year. You got the Toronto Maple Draws, one of the biggest overtime te uh, shootout teams of the season, going past regulation against our guys, the New York Tylenders, Draw Island. How do you not take the draw? Uh, how can I not, in the very first game back from the break, take a draw, especially with these two teams uh, involved? So it's going to be a small little look to the over and the draw for me pregame. Maybe we'll find some value on Toronto Live if they fall behind. Uh, what do you think here in this one, Alex? Islanders, Leafs. So first I got to correct you. It's St. Patrick for Patrick Waugh, Sir Patrick for Patrick Kane. So yes, St. Patrick. Patrick. St. Patrick, St. Patrick, Patrick Waugh. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, one of the things here that leads, of course, we're going to be talking about draw season. We're in the hoodie and get the hoodie at the Ice Guys store. But one of the things, like I said, it's now going to be more based on just criteria situations and runs, not just full-on trends. Now, we ran these two teams into the ground betting the draw, and they've cashed for us, number one and number two in the league, Toronto and the Islanders, respectively. And the last few meetings we saw with these two teams, four, three identical overtime finals. Like I said, it, that wasn't in New York. But when you add in the factor that you've had four – are arguably the four most important Leafs players already playing through the weekend, being there at home. Now, like I said, you know, you're cleaning the confetti off and everything's kind of resettling back to normal. 
not like there was a whole big explosion of excitement throughout the whole weekend from that crowd. So it's not like they have much to calm down about. That being said, where's their energy going to come from? They didn't get hyped up this weekend. Are they going to get hyped up because the Islanders are now here on Monday? Probably not. Same thing with the Islanders. They're playing everything close. Waz got them playing more defensive responsible. They look like the Islanders, the Islanders that we've seen for the last three or four years. So with that being said, on top of the history, at plus 370 at FanDuel, I'll be on the regulation draw. I will also take some small shots with correct score, 2-2 and 3-3 within regulation. Both of those are at 13-1. to You can get those at FanDuel as well. And it's Ilya. It's the Ilya Bowl once again uh, tonight with uh, Ilya Sorokin and Ilya Samsonov uh, starting for their respective teams uh, in this game tonight. I'll be honest, as far as player props, guys, I am treading very lightly these first couple of days because uh, unless there's some big value with uh, and great plus price value with someone jumping up the lineup due to uh, injury or change in the lineup, uh, you know, because the, the, the problem is when you bet, like let's say if you bet players that are in good form point-wise, and that's a lot of my player props too. It's not just players moving up the lineup, but I'll bet someone that scored in three straight, four straight games or yeah. someone that has points in four straight games or goals or points in four of the last five games. Well, this is kind of like you're starting a second season now, you know, because a lot of these teams, including Toronto, they've had a one week off. You know, Toronto hasn't played since last Saturday. So it's not only the Thursday to Sunday All-Star break, they haven't played since last Saturday in Winnipeg, you know, against the Jets. So, uh, this is like an extended uh, hiatus and layoff for some of these players. So I'm not always anticipating the streak, the scoring streak to continue when you've been off this long. You know, it's kind of like you're starting a second season inside, you know, th the same season. So for that reason, you know, I'm treading a little carefully here with the uh, player props uh, coming out of the gate. But as far as this game goes, there's not really a whole lot that I see as far as players moving up the lineup. Matthew Nyes is the one exception. Maybe I look in that direction with him because he's on the top line. He was starting to play a lot better, actually, right before the break. He went through a funk earlier in this season, but I thought he was playing better before the break. He might be worth a look tonight uh, for the uh, Toronto uh, Maple Leafs. And, of course, Tavares. I'm never going to talk anyone out of Tavares' props against the Islanders. I'm certain he's always going to want to put a bet his best foot forward uh, against his old team. Uh, next up, we've got the Avalanche and the Rangers. Uh, minus 110 both sides, six and a half the total uh, here in this game. Uh, this matchup, by the way, I do a uh, shout out to Alexander Georgiev. He was one of the better goalies as far as his performance in All-Star Weekend, honestly. Uh, he was actually very, very good. I mean, I've never seen someone use a poke check as effectively and as often as Alexander Georgiev did, but he was a wizard with that poke check throughout the uh, All-Star game and thwarting several of the good chances that came his way. So, Got to give uh, Georgiev credit. That was a solid all-star game performance from him. His avalanche were playing pretty good going into the break. You know, a team that hasn't always been great on the road, but they started to play some better hockey away from home. And then on their two-game homestand to wrap things up before the break, they pounded both the uh, Capitals and the Kings 11-3 uh, combined score uh, in those two games. Georgiev will be in net tonight against his old team. Not at all a surprise here. And it'll be Jonathan Quick getting the uh, nod tonight for the New York Rangers. I guess it's a decision. You know what? Is uh, Igor Shosturkin's coming back from being in the all-star festivities uh, in Toronto. So we'll just be careful here and give him a couple extra days. I'm sure we'll see him against Tampa Bay uh, more than likely on uh, Wednesday night, which is a TNT game uh, coming up. So we'll see how this one goes. But yes, Quick and Georgiev, your uh, starting goaltenders here uh, between uh, these two teams. Here's another situation where we've got both of these teams last year in their two head-to-head -head meetings 
both of them went past regulation. So I certainly wouldn't talk anyone out of a draw here. I hate to be redundant here. These first two games coming out of the shoot, but my goodness, you see shootouts with both of these two teams last year in the two meetings in New York. It was a three, two Avs win in a shootout. And in Colorado, it was a two, one Rangers win uh, in a shootout uh, last season. So uh, keep that in mind. Uh, the Rangers trying to get on some sort of a roll. They did not play their best hockey going into the break, just uh, two and four in their last six games, although they did finish on a high with the seven to two victory uh, over the Ottawa Senators uh, right before the break. Uh, as far as this game goes, this is for me, uh, when I look at this matchup here, I like both teams to score in the first period. That I do like. I think that's my favorite stance in this game. The full game over, I don't know because we have seen unders with these two teams, three straight, in fact. Uh, and I could see this being a situation where we see both teams find the back of the net early and then things kind of settle down after that. One thing I want to point out, too, about Jonathan Quick, who's had a very, very solid season. I don't think the New York Rangers envisioned he was going to be able to give them what he's given them. He's had a very good first half, 2.43 goals against 9.15 save percentage, but a little rockier the last month or so where, you know, three of the last five starts, he's given up at least three goals. So, you know, it hasn't been necessarily as great as he was in October, November, Jonathan Quick, but he's still certainly given them a lot better goaltending that I think any Ranger fan would have reasonably expected coming into this season. So it's really not a lot here. I'm, I'll probably sprinkle on the draw, even though I like the draw in the Leaf game a little bit more. And I like both teams to score first period uh, in this. I think the value is good. And I could see, you know, but both of these teams have been better offensively than defensively too, going into the break at the very least. So I think both teams could find that back of the net in the opening uh, 20 minutes of play uh, Avalanche and Rangers. Uh, what do you think here, Alex, Colorado, New York Rangers? Yeah, so I like sprinkles on both of those plays that you had, both teams to score in the first and the draw. But I also like Rangers' first period puck line. Uh, I grabbed plus 175 last night. I've seen it now as high as plus 185 or plus 190 uh, laying that half a goal. I think like I said, this is a game, If I would be more high on the draw if this was played three weeks later from now, where teams were both back in the swing of things. Colorado team playing another team out of conference going cross country. This would definitely be a, a spot where I'd be a little heavier on the draw. And it makes sense from that kind of criteria. But I think the Rangers have something to prove here. Being at home, want to, you know, start off hot with the, the second half run. And I think they can at least get out of this first period with a lead. Now, that might open up some spots to grab Colorado live at plus money especially since we have the draw. So we can, you know, kind of, we can manipulate this a little bit. Like I said, this is one of those two teams that I want to be betting on more moving forward. And I like the prices on both sides. We're not going to see a dollar 10 with the Rangers or abs too often, uh, even against higher tier tiered opposition. But I got to see, like I said, this is a week where we, we don't just jump out and start throwing five, six plays at the wall and everything, because we got to see how these teams are going to respond off of the break. Like I said, you're playing in the all-star game and he's not getting the rest because he wants to play against his old team, I'm guessing. So, you know, that situation, is he going to look sharp because he's playing his old team or is he going to be rusty because he played, you know, uh, the other day and now all of a sudden, you know, Rangers jump out with a three, nothing lead. So taking some shots with the first period, both teams to score and the draw and Rangers first period puck line. Like I said, get, you can lay the half a goal as high as plus 190, I think was what I saw at Pentacle earlier. All right, Rangers puck line first, which means let's get a 2-1 Rangers after the first period. That would be uh, what we're looking for. Uh, cash every team to score. Uh, get that Ranger first period puck line uh, and uh, sprinkle on the draw as well. Uh, that's a good stat from Terry. Uh, Alexi Lafreniere over two and a half shots on goal, plus 120. He's hit this mark nine of his last 10 home games with the Rangers. Very good. 
like I say, I'll, I'll, I'll get back into the fray when it comes to shots on goal at, at playoff time, but I'm still very leery. Uh, I've just seen too many bad, uh, bad ex examples of shots being taken away and it makes no sense and you see a shot on goal and it looks like it obviously was a clear shot on goal goalie made a save and it's not registered as one like it's just been they've got to they got to iron this out for me to get involved with it more actively during the regular season but in the playoffs I will I will invite chaos uh, into my betting repertoire and bet shots on goal props more often in the playoffs simply because we have less games and less opportunities uh, obviously on a daily basis once we get into playoff time. So I will dabble more once we get into the playoffs with shots on goal. Uh, but right now, yeah, not something I'm rushing to do. You know, a bad cook will screw up serving uh, food to a party of people just like they would serving to somebody they know. So, I mean, less games may not solve that problem, to be honest. Yeah, that's true. I mean, are these guys going to be better at uh, – is the, is the process of registering shots on goal uh, going to get better just because it's Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, it, it especially if it's the same people involved in the process? I mean, that's the problem, right? Um, but I wish you well. I mean, I certainly wish everyone well that bets the shots on goal props, but yeah, I've seen a absolutely. lot of crazy, very frustrating things as far as uh, betting shots on goal this season and uh, definitely uh, something that uh, concerns me. Yeah, Zach Parise, uh, is he making his Avs debut tonight? Let, that's a great question. I didn't mention that. Yeah, he's I do also, yeah. yeah, I think so. It's, it's, I would think so. He's there He's there to be. In, and you know what? Why not? Actually, I, I, I agree with what Cuban's thinking here. They're putting him on a second line with Johansson and Lekkonen. You know, you're talking about an opportunity to, you know, hit the ground running, get minutes, play in a top six role with good players. Uh, and then, of course, Druen, McKinnon, and Rantanen that great top line is going to uh, stay together. So I don't mind that look from a uh, Cuban Zach Parise here uh, to maybe find that. And look, he did torture the Rangers. I do remember that when he was a member of the uh, New Jersey mm -hmm. devils uh, many years ago. So why not? Uh, why not there with uh, Zach Parise, as far as uh, a goal prop uh, option there for the uh, abs, as far as the Rangers go tonight, I'm just seeing what kind of Blake Wheeler has suddenly been, you know, a nice productive uh, force lately on the top line with uh, Zabanajad and Kreider going into the break. He was he scored in back to back games going into the All Star break. So why not little Blake Wheeler action uh, again? Blake Wheeler's not the um, offensive dynamo he was earlier in his career, but you know as long as he's playing on the top line, he's not a stiff either. You know he can still get things done, especially when there's good players next to him on that top line. And right now with Zabanajad and Kreider, there's some nice chemistry going. Uh, between the three of them, and he scored in back-to-back -back games for the Rangers as well. So don't mind that look as well. Blake Wheeler with the uh, New York Rangers up on that uh, top line. Great stuff. Shout out to everyone in the chat. Hit the like button. A couple of things before we get to uh, our Boston Hemp Inc. ad, as well as uh, Bargain Bin Special of the Night and Best Bets. Uh, again, patreon.com uh, slash iceguys, uh, just $10 per month. Uh, there it is uh, on screen. Uh, and again, uh, Patreon-exclusive BetCast is coming your way this Saturday, our first of the month, Saturday, February 10th, our Super Saturday, Super Bowl weekend, uh, Ice Guys Live BetCast at 6 p.m. Eastern. But you'll get access to that by signing up at patreon.com slash iceguys. You'll get our sides, totals, and player props every single day posted on the Patreon page. Goalie charts, totals charts. We've posted two brand-new Hot off the presses, Patreon exclusive videos during the All Star break. Uh, so make sure you check those out. All that and more, patreon.com 
slash ice guys. And again, your $10 per month subscription goes a long way to keeping this show going for the long term. So make sure you sign up patreon.com slash ice guys, just $10 per month. Now is a perfect time to sign up for that with the second half of the season beginning. And there's the reminder as well uh, with the uh, super, there it is the uh, super bowl weekend, super Saturday, NHL live betcast. This Saturday, February 10th, 6 p.m. Eastern. Now, this is not a Patreon-exclusive BetCast. This is open to everybody, free-for-all, so anyone can join, attend, and watch the BetCast live starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. We're starting it at 6 p.m. Eastern because that's a damn good game at 6 p.m. Saturday night, Colorado and Florida. So we will be on the air right from the beginning of that game uh, on Saturday night. So it's our Ice Guys Super Bowl weekend, Super Saturday, NHL Live BetCast, Saturday, February 10th, this Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern. DM me uh, or Alex uh, or email either of us as well for a spot on the BetCast on Saturday night, and we will make sure we send you the StreamYard link for that BetCast. And, of course, as well, don't forget about the Ice Guys store. Get your gear, get your merch, the draw season uh, hoodie that you see Alex wearing, all that and more available at the store. Uh, Three days left to get two or more items with standard free shipping as well. IceGuys.MySpreadShop.com. That's right. Yep. Go on to the site, iceguys.myspreadshop.com. You will see the redeem button at the top of the screen. If you get two or more items, you'll get free standard shipping. There's three days left on that deal. So you got everything in stock right now. We did take some of those items off uh, over at the limited edition shop as well. So we only got a few things uh, that are there available right now at the moment. So you can check both stores, but definitely want to take advantage of that sale deal right now. And that's over at iceguys.myspreadshop.com. All right. Yeah. Check it out. Iceguys.myspreadshop.com, the store, and get yourself some great merch. All right. As we announced before the break, our everyday sponsor uh, of the Ice Guys show is our good friends at Boston Hemp Inc., uh, sponsoring this show seven days a week, as well as our betcasts uh, moving forward uh, here on the uh, Ice Guys show. And it's time to hear from them right now. There it is, Boston Hemp Inc. Make sure you check them out. Our great sponsors again every day here uh, on the Ice Guys show. Uh, Boston Hemp Inc. uh, doing a great job and uh, great to be re-upped with them, if you will, uh, for the long run as our sponsor here on the Ice Guys show. Be sure to check out the quality products from our sponsor, Boston Hemp Inc. Today, use promo code ICEGUYS to save 20% off all orders at bostonhempinc.com. All right, it is time for Bargain Bin Special of the Night, our first post-All-Star break uh, iteration of the Bargain Bin Special of the Night. Only two games, Alex, so I understand if you pass, but uh, anything you found? No, I had, I did, and uh, we're going with that Toronto and New York Islanders game. You, you mentioned it's, it's not going to be in Long Island, so we won't hear the boo birds out there for John Tavares, but I think he'll still step up and score, and I think he'll be able to do that first and foremost. So let's go with him as high as plus 1,500 at FanDuel to get the first goal of the game, John Tavares for the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's my bargain been special. There we go, Johnny T. 
Uh, John Tavares, first goal of the game for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs uh, for Alex B. Smith with his bargain bin, a special of the night. And and I do have one, even though there are only uh, two games here on this uh, NHL slate. Of course, we're probably going to have a good selection to uh, choose from tomorrow night uh, with the uh, eight-game slate. But for tonight, uh, there is one that I am uh, interested in, and I actually mentioned this player just uh, on the game we talked about when we talked Avs Rangers. Let's take Blake Wheeler for the New York Rangers, plus 450 uh, at Batano. Just a great price. Top line with Kreider and Zibanejad. Now, again, sometimes you worry about the all-star break, you know, just disrupting someone's momentum and rhythm. Uh, and certainly Blake Wheeler was in a bit of a rhythm before the break, back-to-back games with a goal uh, before the all-star break. But hopefully you can refine that mag- find that magic again tonight and find that rhythm again tonight. He's still going to be on that top line, and that is just an outstanding price for someone getting top line minutes for the New York Rangers. So Blake Wheeler, plus 450. Wheeler in the sky keeps on turning. Plus 450, Batano. Blake Wheeler, New York Rangers for my bargain bin special uh, of the night. All right, best bets. First best bet segment post-All-Star break. Uh, Alex, what do you like for best bet? Hmm, decisions, decisions. What could I possibly be betting on for my best bet tonight? It's the tie, of course. The Thailanders and the Maple Draws. We're going regulation draw plus 370 with Toronto and New York. It cashed in the last two meetings. It's cashing in three of the last five meetings. And these are the top two teams in that category. So we are going with the Isles and the Leafs to go past regulation plus 370. It's my best bet tonight. All right. Not my best bet, but on my card for sure. Just like Alex, Islanders, Leafs, actually I should say Thailanders, Maple Draws. Uh, draw plus 370 uh, for Alex with his best bet. My best bet, look, I don't love anything tonight that stands out. Everything's pretty small, but I like the value we're getting with that first period. Both teams to score. Colorado Avalanche, New York Rangers, plus 154. Uh, with both teams to score uh, in the first period. I think both teams can find the back of the net early uh, in this game. Uh, I think we'll see that here tonight. Avs, Rangers, both teams to score first period, plus 154. Uh, My best bet here for this Monday uh, NHL uh, card. All right, that'll wrap up this edition of the Ice Guys. Thanks to everyone for joining us. Hit the like button uh, on the way out. We appreciate it very much. A reminder, the Ice Guys is live seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms. So we'll uh, j- make sure you want to uh, tune into that podcast, download it when you can't watch the show live. For Alex B. Smith, I'm Ian Cameron. Alex is not here tomorrow, but he'll be back Wednesday. I will have a guest with me. I'm keeping it quiet, but it's a uh, a coach from over in Sweden, hockey coach, hockey scout. Looking forward to having him join us on the show tomorrow. I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Monday night. Enjoy the games and good luck. We'll see you tomorrow on Tuesday for another edition of the Ice Guys. 